It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Roach, and I listen to the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition, another episode, another conversation, another deep dive, another call it what you want. My name is Marshall St. Patrick here at one half the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. And with me as ever is my co-host, my partner in crime, Santoki Nagulendran. Santoki, I'm in the tie. I'm in the tie. I'm in the tie today. It's a, it's a special occasion, Mash. But Mash, you know, you know what? Know. You know what a wise man once said about West Indies cricket, it's only licks when we touch down. And that was certainly the case 48 hours before this recording. West Indies women with a record-breaking chase, the highest successful chase in women's T20 cricket, chasing down 213 against the mighty Australia in Sydney. And, you know, central to that chase, we've got a player on the show who captained the side, scored a majestic 132 of 64 balls, currently number one ranked all-rounder in uh, women's T20 cricket, won seven player of the matches awards in a row so far. I think she's averaged 90 during that period, scored 452 runs and also taken 15 wickets at 10. So, Mash, it's fair to say this is a player in good form. You know, she's been drinking her Morby and we've got her on today, Mash. Without further ado, do you want to introduce who we've got on the show? <laughs> for real, for real. And do you know what, Santoki, before recording this one, it occurred to me about um, the captain. Everyone knows who we're doing this with, obviously, but the captain of the West Indies women's team. She doesn't have a a tag name. Like, like it's it's time it's it's time for Haley to do. I don't know what her tag name's gonna be, but she's got to have something now. Once 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 you once you start performing like Haley's performing, there's got to be something before the name. So hopefully by the end of this episode, we can crown Haley something. Uh, she got that everyone will now take forward as the kind of tag name for Haley. But um, obviously. It's Hayley Matthews, captain of the West Indies women's team. Absolutely delighted um, to have her on the podcast. And as you say, Santoki, fresh off, um, I don't even know what you call that knock. Magnificent doesn't even seem a good enough word to use, but um, fresh off the magnificent knock against the Australians um, less than 48 hours ago. So without any further ado, let us bring on Hayley Matthews. Hayley, how are you doing? Hey, guys, I'm good. Thanks for having me on the show. 
Absolute pleasure, Haley. And um, I mean, first things first, um, Santonki's obviously going to jump straight into it. But um, when you when you have an innings like the one you had um, a couple of days ago, what happens to your phone after something like that? Like, <laughs> how, how inundated do you get from friends, family, media, etc.? Yeah, I mean, it, it did blow up quite a bit. I think that same night, I obviously had to go and do like, a post-match press conference and everything right after. And I remember having my phone in my pocket, and I think I had it on vibrate. And like during the whole press conference, it was just like, just, like going off the entire timeline. Uh, we went back to the hotel and kind of went in the team room to just chill and um, hang out and obviously celebrate the win and stuff like that. And like I, I took a look at my phone, and I just, like, put it to the side and didn't look at it until the next morning because it was insane. Like, I could, I, I could only get back to a couple people and every time I would re reply to someone even, um, it would literally be an instant reply back and the messages filled up, the inbox filled up on Instagram, um, the posts coming through. So, yeah, just insane. Lovely. So let's let's jump straight into that match. So obviously, Australia have posted 212. Obviously, we know what a great side Australia are. Litchfield has scored the fastest half-century in, in women's T20 international cricket. As a captain and as an opener, at the interval, firstly, what do you say to your teammates? And secondly, coming out, how do you, how do you sort of approach that level of a chase with such a big total? Is it a case of trying to back through the first over, see where you're at, or target what you can score in the power play? What's sort of your mentality going into that chase? Yeah, I think probably one of the first things I said to the girls was, like, it's a good wicket. Um, and kind of the plan going out there to bat, um, it was kind of just get bats on ball when we could um, and try to get to the boundary rope. I know myself personally early on, I probably take about one or two overs to kind of have a look and then get going. But like I said earlier, like the wicket was so good that I knew once I got myself in, I gave myself a pretty early chance. Um that after that, it was the kind of wicket where you could kind of almost just hit through the line of the ball, and that's exactly what I tried to do. I know when Steph came out to bat, um, I communicated to that her, that to her right away, and from the time she faced about six or seven balls, she started doing exactly the same thing. So you mentioned there's Stefani Taylor coming out. You guys put together a 174-run partnership. At what point in the innings do you start calculating, okay, how many do I need to score each over to kind of get this win? Um... I I would probably say what you see when we needed about a <clears throat> hundred and five. I think it was from about fifty four balls. Yeah. I think that's the first time we really look at each other and say, "Yeah, boy, like we got a real shot here." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we just gotta keep going. Like we knew at that point the required rate was like eleven or twelve. But the good thing about the situation is that we weren't absolutely going haywire to get the runs up to that point. Um, we were striking at the required run rate, run rate, sorry. Um, and we were just doing it by playing really positive cricket and good cricket shots the entire time. Um, and I think we just kind of spoke about keeping the pressure on, like looking for a boundary early on in the over and trying to score off as many balls in the over as we possibly could. And she made the job real easy for me from the other end. I found the overs that I kind of struggled a little bit. She magically found the way at the other end to get the boundary and. We worked hand in hand really well, and um, obviously with the wickets in hand, we had the freedom as well to just kind of keep wearing through the innings. Hayley, obviously we have a new coach, um, Shane Dites, and um, it's this is the first series. Um, well, this is Shane's only really just come into the kind of looking at 
um, the setup with the West Indies women's team. We we had Courtney before that. Um, we had interim coaches, so on and so forth. You in the last year and a half, two years ish, you've gone up and down the order a bit. Um, now you, it looks like you're firmly set as you're gonna come in, you're gonna open, um, you're gonna, and you effectively lead from the front with both bat and to an extent with ball. How do you manage, in conjunction with the coaching staff, your workload um, in terms of your scene? globally is the kind of best batter um in the side but what for you is your do you prefer to open given yeah, your all-round duties yeah i definitely prefer to open i think even um i think it was early 2022 late 2021 when i was probably batting middle order for west indies in the 50 over stuff um i'm preparing for that world cup um it was the coach well it was courtney and Robert Samuels at a time, and we obviously still had DeAndre playing then too. Um, and she was opening the batting, and uh, we obviously, well, we kind of felt like the batting order needed lengthening a bit, um, and Steph as well as the captain too. And we figured with myself and Steph in the middle order, um, you know, it really gives us a, mo a lot more solidity uh, within that middle order. And I remember preparing for the entire World Cup, um, kind of batting at number four, and I was a bit upset actually at first not upset um but i guess i was a bit nervous to kind of go in the middle order i always wanted to be an opener um uh, wanted to bat at the top um and i spoke to our batting coach at the time robert samuels and um i think from his point of view he kind of explained as well like look all this is gonna do is um broaden your game and build your experience um and i think it did exactly that um obviously spending my entire career so up to that date opening the batting and then getting to go to number four um, and having to come in in pressure situations in the middle order and kind of command things um, when we might have been in trouble from losing a couple early wickets did help me a lot. Um, and then it just so happened that through an injury, literally the day before the first game in the World Cup in 2022, Rashad Williams, I think, got injured or was sick, something like that. Um, mm. It threw me back up to the top of the order. And I remember pretty much it was that morning um, of the game against New Zealand when they told me like, like Shane's not gonna make it and you gotta open the batting and I was I was mad because I was like I just prepared for seven months <laughs> <laughs> I just did seven eight months like batting at number four preparing myself to like be into a new role and the day before the biggest tournament that happens every four years starts y'all come in and tell me I gotta go open the batting and then like what put the cherry on top was I went in the net I decided alright I can go and have an early net that morning um to just face the new ball, like get the new ball winged at me. And I could not get a single ball in the middle of the bat. Like the ball was wrong, like I was edging everything. I was like driving and as soon as I missed the ball, I was like swearing like what like just going on crazy because I couldn't believe it. And then um obviously went until in the middle and it came off the middle a lot better, I would say. You um you talked about in the game in the game on Monday, you talked about sort of the added leadership, adding responsibility and that helping your game. Has sort of that leadership, the leadership qualities, has it something that's come naturally to you or is it something you've worked on as you've become more experienced? Um I think look, even when I was in the captain, um I was one of the more experienced players and um I really tried to pull along the girls with me where I could. Um but then when I actually got the captaincy um, I felt like I was at a certain level. However, a lot of learning has still taken place. I've learned so much 
um, from the day I took over the captaincy up until now. Um, not only around leadership, but around cricket as well, around the game, um, around field settings and field placement, around mindset. Um, so I have learned a lot and I have developed um, as a captain over my period of time. Um, and yeah, I, I still think captaincy is something that you can continue to get better and better at um, as you go along and something that I still want to improve and um, look forward to. Interestingly enough, Haley, because uh, I remembered this morning, this is how I know I'm old, right? Because <laughs> I feel like you've been playing for ages, <laughs> like literally ages. And I like, I was like, no, but I swear Haley's only 25. So I had to go <laughs> remind myself if you're 25 <laughs> or not. But how do you, it's like, it's almost like a Leo Messi type thing. How, how do you kind of, adapt and change to international cricket when you've effectively been playing since you were a teenager. Um, so you've, you've, you've gone through like peaks and troughs and now you're at another peak where effectively globally, everyone's like, in fact, it was named today or last night that you're the number one all rounder in the game. Um, so how, how do you kind of manage that when you make your debut so early in the, in, in, in international cricket? Um, I think one of the things for me, um, I, I probably didn't even just go through waves myself, but I think women's cricket on a whole kind of move from the time I was 16 and made my debut is completely taken a step up since then. And the level has gotten better and better and better as the years have gone on through investment. And I think for myself, uh, through that process, um, I would have had a lot of failures as well. Um, but I always say, I think a lot of those failures that I would have went through, especially that period from probably, say, 2019 to 20, early 2021, when I was really, really struggling, um, it's probably the reason why I'm one, one of the better players today and why I'm better as a player today. Um, I definitely learned a lot going through those periods um, about my skill and about my game and about my strengths and a lot about my weaknesses as well. I think um, cricket got to the point, women's cricket got to the point where they were watching all the footage and seeing what you were good at and what you were not good at and bowlers were coming out and being able to execute it very well and um, really made me go through that period where I struggled and I think it came down to about 2021 where I just had to really fix a lot of technical problems that I had um, and yeah I was able to get that done um, and, and started playing the straight ball a lot better and then I think the the next thing that probably helped me to then go up to a higher level after that would have been um, finding out a lot more about my game. I would have obviously played a lot of franchise and T20 cricket. And I think before I would have probably thought my strengths are maybe down the ground and um, to mid-wicket, like typically what a lot of West Indian players think their strengths are. Um, but, you know, when I really had conversations with coaches around me and when I really started to feel my own game and... Um, think about what was comfortable for me when I was batting and uh, what were my best areas. Um, I discovered a lot about my offside play and I think that for me has been one of the reasons why I've been able to move to the next level. Mm. It's interesting because in the men's game, we often hear analysts and players talking about how Red Bull cricket is so important to players finding out the fundamentals and improving their game, even in T20s. Obviously, since 1979, West Indies women have only played one single test match against Pakistan in 2004. Is that something, we had a lot of questions about this, is that something you'd still like to see eventually playing a test match for West Indies? Yeah, I'd absolutely love to play a test match for West Indies. Um, 
think Test cricket is still the pinnacle of the cricket. It's called Test cricket for a reason. Um, I've never gotten the opportunity to play it, but I can imagine it's the most challenging format out there. And um, I would love for the opportunity to be go able to go out there in some whites with the West Indies badge on my chest and, and represent the West Indies at that level. Um, and I think the sooner we can start getting maybe some two- and three-day cricket integrated, um, even into our camps, into our um, setups where we've got the best players within a group, um, yeah, the quicker we could get to that level to hopefully play some test cricket as the rest of the world has really started kicking on with it now. In in your career, have you ever heard discussions with administration or stakeholders about plans about playing longer form cricket for the women's game? Uh, not, not necessarily. Uh, maybe one or two discussions here or there, but at the same time, I think when I began my career, one, I was really young, um, and two, women's cricket wasn't as professionalised. Um, so you probably didn't have the opportunities, especially as a 16 or 17-year-old girl, to kind of have those conversations with administration and stuff like that. I know for certain um, now that I'm obviously a lot older and have much more of a senior role being the captain of the team, um, the administration and the board have definitely opened up a lot um, when it comes to having conversations and, and hearing our side of it. And um, they have taken a lot of things on board of late. Um but yeah, I know for sure that's one of those things that we're going to try to push really hard over the next few years um, to see if we can get it done. And you, you talk about starting your career young. You played for Barbados senior women's team, age 12. Firstly, what, what was that experience like as a 12-year-old playing that level of cricket? And secondly, was it at that point you thought, OK, cricket could be my career or was it something you were just doing as like um, for fun at that point? What was sort of your mentality at that, at that age? I mean, honestly, like... When people ask me about like that first regional tournament I played and stuff like that, like it's also blurry. Like, I was eleven or twelve years old. <laughs> I mean, like, you don't remember every single thing that happened when you're twelve years old. <laughs> um, I remember little things like going to the ground and like hanging out with the girls. I, I don't think I played all the games even. Um, and it, it kind of all gets blurred up as well because I went to under nineteen tours around that time too when I was nine, ten, eleven. So I can't even remember it the ground that I played at and what it looks like. I just remember that I made the team that year and that I went to St. Vincent. Um, but, yeah, um, from the time I was probably 10, 11, 12 years old, I knew I wanted to be a professional cricketer. Um, I had a love and a passion for the game from a very, very young age. And um, I think, obviously, I would have represented Barbados in track and field as well. But... Um, for me, it was never a doubt about which sport I wanted to play or what I wanted to do because I had a huge love and passion for cricket from a very young age. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. We've, um, we've seen. Haley. So we've got Craig is the men's test captain. Shay is the men's ODI captain. You're the women's captain. Um, and with Craig and Shay in particular, we've seen the captain seers, or I don't want to say it's evolved their game, but some people thrive under captaincy. 
And it's just interesting to me because <clears throat> when you would have made your debut, you would have had players above you who were seen as right there, the kind of global stars of the... Um, and that's not what... Obviously, we know what you did in the World Cup final, etc. But you had players who were more senior to you, right? Since you've taken the captaincy, is there a burden on your shoulders? You may... Or do you not really feel it to be like, I've got to perform. Like, I've got to lead the way. I've I've got to set the standard um, for the team. Does that come... Do you... Do you relish that pressure? Do you even notice that pressure? Um, well, how's that go for you? Yeah, no, I'm good. Um, yeah, I definitely feel that. I think um, a big turning point for me. Obviously, I got the captaincy last year. Um, I probably played our first series under my captaincy sometime around this time last year. Um, and we played New Zealand and England back-to-back -back where it was two really, really tough series. It was eight games against New Zealand, and I think, six or eight against England and we had won two um, out of both series and both of them were against New Zealand um, and that was obviously quite a tough period obviously as a new captain um, coming into the setup and I remember then going to the World Cup after that um, and having India and England first and um, the results we lost and we kind of went back and had a conversation and I remember talking to one of the coaches and them saying to me look we came to this World Cup and we were kind of expected to be beaten by England. We were kind of expected to be beaten by India. Um, but when we play Ireland and when we play Pakistan in the last two games, those are going to be the, the truth tellers, I guess, um, of where we are as a team. Because those mm -hmm. are the ones that will really know what level we're playing at um, at the time. And I remember, obviously, at that point we had lost something like... 16 games in a row or something like that or some a lot of games in a row um and I definitely felt the pressure on and um I kind of said to myself look the job obviously not getting done um I was feeling a little bit as well but at the same time I can't just be mediocre anymore I think when Steph was around at her best and when DeAndre was around um, I could have gone and by sometimes scoring 20s and 30s and all three of us merging together to put down a really good score, a really good performance. Mm. Um, but Steph was obviously quite injured during that time. Um, DeAndre wasn't around and a lot of the weight was on uh, and, and the pressure, I guess, was on my shoulders. And I think I kind of looked at, looked at it from a legacy standpoint as well and said, I really don't want to be a captain that's come in and just losing, 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 losing all the time. Um, and yeah, I kind of just made up in my mind there and then that I was going to put it on myself to make no excuses at all um, and just absolutely try to do my best to win every single game. Have it be if I got changed the way I was playing, which is exactly what I did. Um, <clears throat> I think against the next game against Ireland, um, I went about, I was probably about 30 from 35 balls. Um, and, and throughout that innings, the wicket was very good and there were balls that we're probably there that I wanted to smoke over long on and, and had to kind of hold myself back a bit um, just because of the responsibility. Um, but I think as I go on with the captains, you know, I'm finding ways to still be able to free up um, while having the responsibility on my shoulders at the same time. Yeah, I totally, I totally hear that. And um, I briefly mentioned beforehand the World Cup 2016. 2016 is kind of being seen as the 
<laughs> it's almost like a, an albatross that everyone hangs around every player's neck in the region, women, men, whatever it might be. Obviously, the under-19s won then, the men won the T20, the women won. Um, and you would have been, how old were you at the time? Six, I, had, I, I, went, I went as a 17-year-old and I turned 18 at the World Cup. Right. So you, 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 you scored a 50 in the final. And as much as you said to Santoki, it's hard to understand what it was like being a 12-year-old <laughs> um, debuting for Barbados. How do you, as a 17-year-old who turns 18 in the World Cup, um, reflect on scoring the kind of a key innings in the World Cup final itself to then do a uh, kind of like historic achievement for West Indies in general? Yeah, I mean, I remember going on, I was very nervous, but one thing that I can say about that innings is that I just enjoyed myself. Um, like when you're young and you're free and you're new to the game at the international level, at least, um, you are your free yourself when you're at the crease batting. Um, and that's just what I did. Um, I remember like looking back on the highlights and playing some shots that I said in my head, geez, like I probably wouldn't even get out of certain situations. Um, but because you're so young and so free and so inexperienced sometimes, I think um, the natural ability and talent in you almost has more of an opportunity to come out um, because of it. With regards to your all-round skills, um, we always ask this, any player who comes on who's an all-rounder, <clears throat> Everyone talks about your batting, and obviously you've come off the back of the one three two. But I feel like no one t talks a lot about your bowling, and, and, and like the amount of times you've like I don't know. Let's say West Indies are bowling to someone, and everyone's gone at maybe nines or tens, and it'll be like Haley Matthews four overs, none for sixteen, or whatever it might be. And I I almost feel like your bowling believe it not or not, goes under the radar a bit. But I'm intrigued to know what you think your strongest suit is. So do you think they're side by side? How do you proportion out your training in, in, either, in either suit? And where do you kind of put your bowling at? Um, I think probably last year, I would have said my bowling was stronger than my batting. Um, mm. Just because I was being very consistent with the ball, um, bowling great off breaks, um, bowling tight almost every game, getting a lot of wickets, and probably wasn't scoring too many runs as well. Um, whereas I feel like probably earlier on this year, um, I would have said I think both of them were on the same level, um, my batting and bowling quite even. Um, I felt like a genuine all-rounder. Um, and now I would probably say my batting starting to step up um a little more but I mean I think that's good I think that I uh, I kind of glad to see that um one minute my bowling taking over the next minute my batting taking over because it's kind of showing me that something always going really well um in mm. so yeah I think right now the batting might have the edge but who knows I might come and score and done tomorrow and take four wickets and then probably say that my bowling's the one on top so see how it is um, and we've talked a lot about West Indies. We haven't even touched on your accolades in franchise cricket. Obviously, earlier this year, you were player of the tournament in the Women's Premier League for Mumbai Indians. You won the Women's CPL with Barbados Royals. You're staying in Australia after this um, tour to play for the Melbourne Renegades uh, in the Big Bash. Sort of, firstly, we, you've talked about the positives that franchise cricket has added to your games. How do you deal with the challenges of, firstly, I guess, travelling throughout most of the year playing in different tournaments? And secondly, as like a marquee star player, that pressure 
to be expected to perform from game one for different franchises where you might not necessarily be familiar with all the players and the sort of tactics? Yeah. Um, I think, well, it is pretty tough to be away from home um, a lot. But at the same time, I enjoy playing cricket and this is my career and this is what I've chosen to do. And I can tell you for sure, like, I would take traveling the world and playing cricket um, probably over sitting in an office any day. So, I mean, I'm still grateful for the opportunity, 100%. Um, and then, yeah, I guess around the pressure of, I guess, going as marquee players in tournaments, um, I think a lot of the teams I've played for over the last couple of months and the last couple of years have really given me the freedom to kind of go out there and just be free and express myself with the bat. And I think it's something that I've really appreciated. Um, obviously, at the WPL, I had the opportunity to play in a really good team. Um, and that was something that I really, really enjoyed because I could literally go out there and express myself with the bat. Um, if it didn't necessarily go well, um, there were people right behind me scoring the runs, which I, I really, really appreciated. And um, I think, honestly, is is the kind of level I want to see West Indies get to. Um, and I know the work, girls are working really hard to get to that level. And a lot of it is not their fault. I mean, we've obviously got a domestic structure that isn't going to produce world-class players right out of it. Um, and a lot of the girls are going to have to come and learn on the job here playing for West Indies. And I've been fortunate enough that I got the opportunity to play franchise cricket um, at a really young age and kind of learn and grow with the game while it was growing. Uh, whereas a lot of them are going to kind of come in now and almost be thrown in the deep end in a sense. But yeah, hopefully over the next few months and the next few years, obviously it's a process. But um, yeah, I'm really hoping that the girls can learn and progress really, really quickly. And that's why as the captain, they're just trying to set a really good example for that. You know what, you're being humble, Haley, because now you're the now you're the, the ranked number one all-rounder. You're, you should and will be, you would imagine, a hot commodity. Uh, <laughs> going forward um, in all leagues at all times. So um, your calendar's going to become even more chock-a-block <laughs> chock now based on your, your accolades. But you, you touched on um, the domestic structures there. And West Indies on the 19 uh, women's team um, played uh, a World Cup recently as well. And we've started to see some of that group start to be exposed to the, the international level as well. I'm thinking of people like Zaida James, Munasar, Sunel Shaw, um, etc. And I guess apart from maybe the fair break tournament, the only thing that I would say, and I don't know how you think we bridge that gap. Obviously, you you get franchise deals and uh, Stefani will and maybe a Chanel Henry will, right? But it's not widespread yet for a lot of the, the younger West Indian talent that come through. So someone like Azaida James, who is very talented in another role, right? Obviously has a lot of development to go and so and even a Rashada Williams, who I think has developed significantly in the in the last year and a bit. How given our domestic structures, um, how do you see the kind of pathways for them to get more exposure? Um it's, it's hard because obviously you came up at a different time and yep. if they almost have to perform for West Indies to be able to get exposure elsewhere. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that's why a tournament like CPL is so huge. And um, I know like I probably heard complaints about them only keeping it to three teams this year. 
sorry, a bit sick. <clears throat> but I actually think it was a really good idea because I think the first thing we need to do is get the standard really high. Um, mm. The fact that they kept it to three teams, um, brought in four internationals from all around the world um, to get that high-level standard of cricket in was really good. And I think you, we saw the type of games that were played in that tournament. 158 was chased, 165 was chased. Um, we set a huge total in the finals that was nearly chased down as well. Um, and I think that's that's definitely the first step to it. Um, but yeah, it is a challenge because, like you mentioned, the girls have to get to a certain level to perform for West Indies um, in order to get into the franchise cricket. But then I guess the case of it was also how do they get to that level off of our domestic structure? Um, and I guess that's that's where... Like I said, the CPL and the training camps and stuff like like that that we have are. Um, but I know one thing for sure that we're probably lacking within the Caribbean is a lot of match experience and a lot of match practice and, and, and probably something that we have to find a way to get our girls getting more of have it be maybe going to England and playing some county stuff in the free time or um, seeing if you could get some of the domestic cricket over in England played. Um, I don't exactly have the answer for it right now. Um, but I know for sure we need to be able to try to find some ways. And I think they're doing a good job with CPL and doing a good job with the camps, but we still need to be able to find better ways to strengthen our domestic structure. And I think another big thing, um, probably when it comes to the development, is that we got to get girls started from a lot younger. I think so many of the girls the team probably started playing cricket at 14 and 13 years old and might have just started playing on the road and then, in with some boys and then into their national team. Um, whereas when we're competing against teams like England and Australia, they have under nine and the 11 and the 13 and girls cricket right across the board, like female competitions under 13, female competitions under 15. Um, we saw Phoebe Litchfield just score the fastest 50 against us. And she's 20 years old. Um, and, and you wonder how, but because she's come through an amazing pathway for... Mm come to an amazing pathway for the last 10 years playing high level of cricket probably for the last five from the time she was 15 years old. Just before, Santoki's going to come in with the final questions, but just quickly, actually, I, w I wasn't going to ask this, but based on what you just said there, um, you played with boys growing up, right? You played Pickwick, Pickwick boys, uh, probably school, etc. Um, do you still think because I'm just wary of the global audience watching this to get an understanding of dom uh, domestic structures. Do you still think that that is probably what some of the girls still have to face growing up through the system that there's, whether it may be different in Barbados to what it is in Jamaica, to what it is, Leewards, Winwards, et cetera. But are you still, do you still think that that's really the kind of pathway that a lot of girls have to face? I don't think it's probably, I think that's exactly it. Um, no. Yeah. You, if if you're gonna be a certain standard, um, you kind of have to play with the boys because we don't have enough good female cricketers knocking around the islands because there's nothing, there's no structure for them to get into, um, and it's unfortunate. Um, but any young girl that wants to really get into cricket from a very young age, from nine or ten or eleven years old, the only opportunity really there is. Um, boys cricket or unless you go to private training which then I know it can be very expensive and obviously everyone in the Caribbean can't afford either. Mm. 
this is this has been such an insightful conversation and we could probably go on for hours talking about domestic cricket um in the women's game but Haley, we know you've got a big decider tomorrow to prepare for so mash it's only right we hit her with the big final quick fire questions yeah. most, most definitely we'll, we'll we'll share these ones out Haley. so we always like right. to when we get special guests on we always like to ask them these same three questions at the end so um question one who sorry what is the best ground to play cricket at in the region but you can't say kensington oval that's it <laughs> <laughs> yep. number one. um number one grown to play cricket at i think maybe Lara academy okay interesting any particular reason why um no it's new it's nice um when we played <laughs> A couple of days ago, I just won a trophy. The crowd was great, so I enjoyed it. And the trading fans, you know, they always upkeeping a bunch of noise too. So, <laughs> and um, and globally in the world, best place to play cricket. Best place to cricket. Uh, I really enjoyed playing at the Kia Oval. Um, okay. In, in London, yeah, I played there a couple of times throughout the hundred, and it's been sick. Well, we'll make sure you're here for the next the next hundred as well, and we'll we'll touch base. We'll touch we'll touch base. <laughs> the oval is our local ground, so we'll touch base. But um, uh, and lastly, Haley, um, best player you've played um against or with um throughout your career thus far? I would probably have to say Natalie Silverbrand. Um, I played with her at Mumbai, and uh, thankfully with her there because I absolutely hate bowling to her. Um. I think she's, if not the best, definitely one of the best batters in the world. Um, and a great all-rounder as well. And just, in my opinion, um, one of the best cricketers out there. Love that. Listen, Haley, as, as, as Santoki says, we know that um, your your kind of schedule at the moment is really tight as the captain, as a player, etc. We got, as Santoki says, we've also got a series decider coming up. Uh, more games coming up in the tour. So first things first, once again, congratulations on the knock. Um, a historic knock and the historic win, I should say, for the West Indies women's team. Thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. Um, people were super excited when we told them that you were going to come on. So uh, thank you for everyone who's listened to this one and um, continue to support, obviously, and rally around the West Indies women's team, Haley as a captain, etc. But Santoki, let me let you wrap this one up. Yeah, no, as you said, Mash, thank you so much, Hayley, for giving up your time. We know you've got a busy schedule coming on the show. It's been such a great conversation to have. All the best in the series, decide on for the rest of the tour. And hopefully you'll be picking up your eighth uh, consecutive player of the match tournament uh, in the in that decider. Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, I love your work on the show as well, so keep that up. Well, people, you heard it there from Hayley Matthews. If you're not listening to the Caribbean Cricket Podcast yet, <laughs> Hayley Matthews says you must listen to the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. But thanks again, uh, Hayley. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Um, in in uh, I think you're in Brisbane right now, and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Ladies and gents, that's been Hayley Matthews. We've been the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. Thank you and good night.
Social Podcast Network.